from the Heidelberg Catechism. We read together Lord's Day 50. What is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread, that is, provide us with all our bodily needs, so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good, and that our care and labor and also your gifts cannot do us any good without your blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in you. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, prayer is not something that comes naturally to man. Because of the fall into sin, our hearts are by nature corrupt. In and of himself, the natural man does not desire communion with God. Our tendency is to think that we can do without him. But there are times and situations when people turn to God in prayer. It happens especially in times of desperate need. When floods threaten, people pray for the water to go away without devastating their homes and their lives. When people receive a diagnosis of a serious illness, they pray for healing and for life. It shows that at some basic level, man knows that he needs God. Today, we may focus our attention on the fourth petition. In it, we pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread. When we pray for our daily bread, we are praying that the Lord will provide all our bodily needs. Now, bread is a staple of life. It symbolizes life itself. In Israel, if there was no bread, then people died. And so when we pray for our daily bread, we're praying for food and clothing for shelter and employment. We're praying for the health and strength to be able to do our work. We're asking our Heavenly Father to provide us with sufficient means to sustain our daily lives. And we should not separate this petition from the previous ones. The reason that we ask our Father to provide our daily needs is so that we may do God's, so that we may honor God's name that his kingdom may come and that his will be done. We pray for our daily needs so that we may be equipped to live our lives in God's service. Praying for our daily bread teaches us many things. It teaches us humility. God is the sustainer of life. Everything we have, everything we receive, everything we desire, comes and can only come from his fatherly hand. This prayer teaches us dependence. All our planning, all our labor cannot benefit us without God's blessing. We need to put our trust in the Lord and to expect every good thing from him. And finally, this prayer teaches us Thankfulness. When we see how our Father blesses us, we can only give thanks and praise to Him 
for his abundant provision in our lives. I preach to you the word of God under the following theme. In the fourth petition, Christ teaches us to pray for our daily bread, or to do so with humility, with trust, and with thankfulness. In paradise, man had it all. We were created good and righteous, able to live in harmony with God and our neighbor. Adam and Eve lived in a beautiful garden, unspoiled by sin and all its devastating effects. They're allowed to eat freely of every tree of the garden, except for the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The fall into sin involved a desire for food. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes. She was tempted and she ate, and she gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. The result of the fall into sin was God's curse on different aspects of life. There was a curse on man's labor. The ground was cursed. It would bring forth thorns and thistles. It was only with toil, in the sweat of his face, that man would be able to eat from the ground. Adam and Eve were banished from the beautiful Garden of Eden. They had to find their way in a world that groans under the curse of sin. Man had to work in order to be able to eat. With sin came need and deprivation. This pattern that sin leads to deprivation and need continues on also in the lives of God's children. Just think of the life of Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac had inherited all that his father Abraham had. He was an exceedingly rich man. And the Lord continued to prosper his ways. He had far more than he needed. Before they were even born, the Lord had promised to grant Jacob, the younger son, his blessing. Yet Jacob didn't trust God to provide it for him. He schemed how to get it. One time when Esau was famished, Jacob provided him with food in exchange for the birthright. And later, Jacob deceived his old blind father to receive the blessing commonly given to the firstborn son. You know what the result of Jacob's sin was? Esau hated him. He threatened to murder him as soon as their dad had died. Jacob was no longer safe in his own family. He was forced to flee to his mother's relatives. He lost everything. He ran away with only what he could carry. The son who had received the birthright left the promised land behind. The heir to his father's riches went out empty-handed. Yet God did not leave Jacob without his continued care and blessing. The Lord appeared to him in a dream at Bethel. He renewed the covenant with him. He promised to give Jacob the land on which he was lying and to make his descendants as numerous as the dust of the earth. The Lord said to Jacob, In you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. Jacob spent some 20 years with his uncle Laban. 
And during that time, the Lord continued to be with him. He blessed Jacob with a family. He made Jacob into a rich man. Jacob returned to Canaan with flocks and herds. He was truly wealthy. When he came back, he still faced the threat of Esau. Jacob didn't know how Esau would receive him. When he heard that Esau was coming to meet him with a band of 400 men, he was very afraid. He thought Esau was coming to kill him. And so Jacob prayed to the Lord. It's worth noting Jacob's humility as he prayed to God. He said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I've become two camps. Jacob knows he's not worthy of God's blessings, and so he humbles himself before God. Jacob has learned that it is the Lord, and he alone who cares for and helps his children. Jacob pleads on the promises that the Lord has made to him. God had promised to deal well with him, to grant him the promised land as an inheritance, and to multiply his descendants. All of that is threatened by the approach of Esau and his band of armed men. Now Jacob acknowledges he's not worthy of God's mercy. He went out of Canaan with only his staff in his hand. It was the Lord who had given him his family, his flocks, and his riches. And Jacob didn't become rich by his own efforts. Laban had repeatedly changed his wages, trying to defraud him and steal from him. And yet the Lord had looked after Jacob. He fulfilled his promises. Now it was the Lord who had called Jacob to return to Canaan. It was through Jacob's family that the Lord would bless all the families of the earth. It was through his line that the Christ would come. Jacob pleads with the Lord for his continued care over him. He has learned that his life is in God's hands. It's something that we all need to learn, beloved. And even though we have learned this, there's times when we need to relearn it. For some, the struggle is against self-reliance. In many of our lives, we experience material prosperity. We receive food and clothing, the basic necessities of life, and much more besides. Is there really any need for us to pray for our daily bread? Why should we pray when we've got fridges and pantries full of food and a regular income to keep filling them up? In the midst of our wealth, it's easy to become haughty, to think we're self-sufficient, that we don't really need God's blessings. The Lord warns against this sin of self-reliance. It's so easy to turn away from dependence on God when things go well for us in our lives. We have lots to eat. We have comfortable homes to live in. Our possessions are multiplied. We have investments and retirement savings plans to provide for our future. 
us, there can be a real temptation to think that our hard work has gained us all this wealth. It's easy for us to put our dependence on material goods instead of our Heavenly Father. Our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us to pray for our daily bread. So we're continually reminded that the blessings we receive come from our Father's hand. We pray the fourth petition so we may learn to depend on Father in heaven for everything we need in life. For others, the struggle is not that they have too much. Instead, it is that they think they haven't got enough. We see what, other ha- what others have, and we don't feel blessed in the same way. We become covetous when we look across the fence and see what our neighbor has. Envy leads to a sense of discontent. It's easy for us to develop a rights mentality. God owes me. He's not blessing me like he blesses others around me. My boss owes me. Even though he pays me above the industry average, I still think he's stingy. Society owes me a job, support, a pension, whatever I can get my hands onto. Paul warns us in 1 Timothy 6 that the love of money is a source of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. If you are covetous, if you have the attitude that God and society owe you something, this will hinder your prayers. Does God really owe us anything? We rejected him and plunged ourselves into sin and misery. We deserved condemnation. It's a miracle of God's grace that he has rescued us from sin and death. It's only because of his goodness that we're alive. And he sustains us day by day with all we need. You see, beloved, how important it is to pray the fourth petition with humility. When we ask our Father in heaven for our daily bread, we acknowledge our need, our dependence on him. No matter if we're rich or poor, if we're going through times of prosperity or adversity, it is our Father in heaven who gives us the necessities of life. Those who are prospering need to acknowledge this so they don't become self-reliant. Those who face struggles and adversity need to acknowledge this so they don't become bitter or resentful. Praying for our daily bread teaches us humble reliance on God. Brings us to our second point, and we'll consider that we are to pray for our daily bread with trust. To trust means to rely or to depend on another. It means that we have confidence that someone else can help us. Trust is basic to our prayers. Uh, James teaches us in chapter 1 that when we request things from God, we are to do so in faith. We're not to doubt, but rather to be confident in the ability and the willingness of God to provide our needs. James makes it clear that the double-minded man will not receive anything from the Lord. Jacob depended on the Lord, his faithful covenant God, 
He prayed that the Lord would spare him and his family from Esau and his band of men. And the Lord did. The Lord worked a change in Esau's heart. His former anger had turned into a desire to see his brother and share in communion with him. And thus the Lord brought Jacob back to his father's house. The Lord continued to care for Jacob and his family. Just think of the wondrous deliverance the Lord worked for them by sending Joseph to Egypt so Jacob's family would have bread during seven years of famine. God's wondrous works on behalf of Jacob were recognized by the people of Israel. The result is that they began to refer to the Lord their God as the God of Jacob. This name for God is used about a dozen times in the Psalms and occasionally elsewhere in Scripture. It's used in the Psalm that we read together, Psalm 146. The context is that the psalmist instructs us not to put our trust in princes or in mortal men. In the end, people will often fail us. People are weak and sinful. And when, they're, when they die, their plans come to nothing. Instead, the psalmist encourages, encourages us by stating, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. Now, every boy and girl in Israel knew the stories about Father Jacob, the liar, the deceiver, the manipulator, the one who plotted and schemed to get the birthright, the one who desperately wanted God's special blessing, but who didn't trust God's promise to provide it. God cared for Jacob in an amazing way, delivering Jacob from his brother's death threats blessing him with a family and with many riches during his stay with Laban, ensuring that Laban could not cheat Jacob out of his wages. God heard Jacob's prayer for deliverance when Esau came to meet him with 400 armed men. He allowed Jacob to live a long life and to see his children's children. The point, beloved, is, is that the Lord is trustworthy. He is faithful dependable. When he promises to provide for us, we can take him at his word. He will do it. We're truly blessed. And the God of Jacob is our helper. It means that all our needs will be provided for, that God will ensure our daily needs so we can live our lives to the praise and glory of his name. The psalmist shows that clearly in what follows in Psalm 146. He speaks of how the Lord provides for all the needy in the land. He says the Lord is the one who remains faithful forever. He says it is the Lord who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. All those economically disadvantaged, the oppressed, hungry, prisoners, blind, sojourners, widows, and fatherless were cared for by our faithful Father. Beloved, what I always find amazing is how Psalm 146 finds its fulfillment in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Ultimately, he is the one who would provide true deliverance. At the beginning of his public ministry, the Lord Jesus spoke in the synagogue in Nazareth. You can read about that in Luke 4. There he identified himself as the one whom God sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. During his earthly ministry, Jesus upheld the cause of the oppressed. He did provide food for the hungry, at times for crowds numbering in the thousands. He gave sight to the blind. He healed people of all kinds of diseases. Jesus had a special eye for those who were oppressed, for the outcasts of society. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus showed he was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah that spoke about the Messiah coming to set his people free. The freedom that Jesus gave was not just from hardship, poverty, or physical need. No, Jesus came to deal with the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, which is sin. He came to deliver us from our sins and from the power of the evil one to bear the burden of God's wrath against our sins, to pay the price we could not pay, to restore us to communion with our God so that we could come to know him as our heavenly Father, a God of mercy and grace, so that we would learn to trust in our heavenly Father to provide for all our needs. We pray the fourth petition so that we may learn to depend on Father in heaven for all we need in life. We should never forget that it is our Father who is the overflowing fountain of all good. In Acts 14, verse 17, Paul points out that God has not left himself without witnesses of his goodness to mankind. Paul points out God's goodness in giving rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. James says in chapter 117 that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Beloved, we are exceedingly rich. We have a God who loved us so much that he even gave his dearly loved son to die for us. It gives us confidence to pray to God for whatever needs we face in life. Paul makes this clear by asking a question in Romans 8.32. He asks, He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If God gave us his precious son, who meant more to him than anyone or anything else, then surely he'll be willing to provide us with our material needs. Our Father's great love for us makes us confident to trust in him for all we need. It brings us to our final point. We're to pray the fourth petition not just with trust that God will provide, but also with thankfulness that God does provide can again learn from the life 
of Jacob. Before he left for his uncle Laban's place, he made a vow to the Lord. Jacob said, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone that I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. When Jacob returned to Canaan under the blessing of God, he fulfilled his vow. He showed forth his great thankfulness to the Lord. Jacob said to his family, Let us arise and go up to Bethel, so that I may make an altar there to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. In this way, Jacob showed forth his thankfulness for God's rich care and provision in his life. God's people Israel were taught to show forth their thankfulness to the Lord. Their annual feasts were connected with their redemption from Egypt. They were also linked to the harvest of their crops. Not only did the Lord save his people from slavery and death, With the freedom he gave, he also provided for their life. Every male in Israel was commanded to appear before God three times each year in their pilgrim feasts. And they were not allowed to appear before God empty-handed. In word and deed, they were to show their thankfulness for God's deliverance and for his provision over their lives. Beloved, the Lord Jesus has taught us this same thing. He said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Here Jesus taught us that if we put God first in our lives, he would make sure that we would have everything we needed to serve him. We don't have to worry about the basics of life about what we'll eat or drink, what clothes we'll wear. For our Father, who knows our needs, will provide for us. Beloved, our hearts and lives have been redeemed by God's grace. We are provided for from our, our Father's love for us, his children. Will we then not offer up fruits of thankfulness to God? Let us in word and deed show forth our thankfulness for our Father's care. He gives us our daily bread so we can live and work for him. What a comfort to know our Father cares for us and that we can rely on him for all our needs. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing from Psalm 145, stanzas 3 and 5. <laughs> 